podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. There was once a game that celebrated people with disabilities like, well, no other. In this match, it was quite often to mention Captain Hook's leadership or Admiral Nelson's one leg. Although it is worth stating that neither of them played in this game, as one is a fictional character invented by J.M. Barry, and the other was an admiral who actually had two legs all the way through his life. But this was a match of sailors that had one of the biggest twists in sport, that one team was full of players with only one arm, and the other team was made up of men with only one leg. You can see posters for it today. You can still buy artwork based on this. We actually have one of the posters in our lounge room. And the first major game of this type was held in 1766, although very few details were kept of that game. But it is 1796 that the game is most well known for. And if you're thinking this is just a silly thing, it is worth knowing that the prize was nearly a thousand guineas. This game may have been a little bit more absurd than normal. But to the players who had hooks and wooden legs, this was a way of adding quite a few coins to their pensions. If they were good in this game, it could actually help their lives. This is Double Century, the podcast on the history of cricket. This season, we wanted to visit some of the weirder stories from inside our game. Cricket has a unique ability to meld itself into cultures, even outside of sport, and produce wild tales. So this season will include the theatre, sausages, dogs, and perhaps the most famous disability game ever played by sailors. In fact, that's what we're talking about here, the pirate cricket match. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. The two teams were made up of pensioned sailors who had to satisfy the criterion mentioned above. They either had to be one arm or one leg. And they met at Aram's New Ground, Montpellier Gardens at Walworth in London. There were logistic issues, of course, at this time, given the standard of roads of the era. But one can assume that a thousand guineas was too big an amount to be ignored. So people came from everywhere to play and also to watch in this game. There are suggestions of up to 5,000 people being at this match. The exact count is not obtainable. But Pierce Egan wrote in Sporting Anecdotes that an immense concourse of people assembled at the ground. The pitch was prepared and the match commenced at 10am with the one-legged side batting first. Now, there are some things that you need to know. Bowling was underarm in that era. There had been some bowlers who tried overarm, or at least roundarm by this point, but it was very rare and so it meant that this game was entirely going to be bowled with underarm. That certainly would have made it easier from a bowling perspective. Also, each over was only four balls long, and so it wasn't as tough on the one-legged bowlers as it might have been. But of course, it was the one-arm bowlers who delivered first. 
Terry and Mudd took five wickets each, and the one-legged were bowled out for 93. Batting at number seven, Fern top scored with an unbeaten 30, and only one other player even managed to get into double figures. The one-armed had a good chance with that total, but at about 3pm, there was commotion. Egan wrote, A scene of riot and confusion took place. Owing to the populace to gain admittance to the ground, the gates were forced open and several parts of the fencing broke down and a great number of persons having got up on the roof of a stable, the roof broke in and several persons were falling amongst the horses were taken out much bruised. Also remember that a crowd of this size was huge for that era and it wasn't like there was security ensuring everything and was planned well and I can only imagine that the sort of people driven to see a game like this might have also enjoyed the odd cold beverage. However, there are also other stories that the riot was started by thieves who were knocking people over with a rope and then diving into the piles to relieve spectators of their watches and wallets. Certainly, it was nothing like a modern cricket game. Either way, it took three hours for the match to resume, and shortly afterwards, the one-armed team were bowled out for 41. Sheary top scored with 10, and Fern, who made the runs, also took six wickets. The one-legged team finished on the day on 60 for 6, a formidable 112 runs ahead at stumps. They batted into the next day, but eventually the one-armed team had a shot. They never even got close. They were dismissed for 53 runs, and 22 of those were extras. The early finish left some time in the day, and so the one-legged team ran a race for the crowd for the prize money of 20 guineas. The competition was steep, and in the end, the prize money was divided amongst the first three. Again, it sounds a little bit exploitative, but it allowed for these players to get extra payments. And a week later, there was another game played again. In fact, over the years, the Greenwich pensioners quite often played these games, often to raise money for the former sailors who needed it the most. One of these games was reported on by Charles Dickens, and I will not read out his entire article, although it's a fascinating study, but here's a little bit that he wrote. Now, a lad who lost his leg when a baby, as a bystander told me, took up the bat and went in with the calm self-reliance, and the game went forward with the usual concomitants. Now comes the tips, the misses, the bye balls, the leg hits, the swinging blows that intended so much and do nothing, the echoing swashing cuts, the lost balls, the stumpings out, the blocks, the slow treacherous balls, and the spinning, bruising rough-handers. Not that our friends of the one leg and one arm swaddled themselves up in any timid paddings or bandages. They put on a no India rubber tube gloves, no shelter knuckles. They don no fluted leggings. What is a blow on the knuckles to a man who has lost an arm or a leg? Who has felt the surgeon's saw and the keen double-edged knife? Yet all this time there was a rather ghastly reminder of suffering about the whole affair to my mind. I could fancy the game played by outpatients in some outlying field of Guy's Hospital. I could believe it as a party of convalescents in some field outside Sebastopol. Well, I suppose the fact is that men don't think much of misfortunes when they are at once irretrievable. And that these men felt a pleasure in doing an eccentric thing, in showing how bravely and easily they could overcome an infirmity that to some men appears terrible. After all, one thinks. After seeing such a game, one-legged and one-armed men are not so miserable as people imagine. Nature is kind to us in her compensations. I think you'll admit that that's an incredible write-up of a cricket game. Also, that match was almost 100 years after the original, and yet they still had this incredible novelty so that people like Dickens were still intrigued. In fact, not long after this, they actually got bigger. Originally, they were played in outgrounds, 
but they eventually made it all the way to the Oval. In 1862, and again in 1867, they hosted these matches. While not all reporting is as poetic or sympathetic as Dickens, for the period, many of the reports actually look at the bravery and adaptability of these players. There is clearly a level of 1800s freak show about some of these games, but they are raising money for people who need it, and the games on their own seem like an interesting spectacle. Cricket, but with a twist that made it unique. Eventually, they do die out. Over the years, other forms of disability cricket come through. Blind cricket becomes a thing that occasionally gets mentioned, but in truth, even now, disability cricket is not a major part of our sport. Some of that comes from the fact that it is not in the Olympics, which is where most modern sports look after that side of the game. And as it currently stands, disability cricket is not run by the ICC or any one body. In fact, when there was a major global disability cricket tournament in England in 2019, the ICC wouldn't allow them to use the words World Cup. So instead, they had to call it the Physical Disability World Cricket Series. While there was an exploitative nature in the one-arm versus one-leg games that simply cannot be denied, they were also celebrated and one of the major grounds in the world showed them. Since then, you'd have to say that cricket has mostly turned the other way. Thanks for listening to Double Century. This podcast was made entirely possible by our supporters at Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century is a podcast narrated, produced, and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer, and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes, and co-produces the show. Sports Social Podcast Network.